0: The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quota Pounder. I'll try your filet of fish There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Looking for a way to make quick cash? Making cash with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love driving around my town. And now I can do that and get paid. Not to mention the sign-up process was so easy. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started. And welcome back to The Zone, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at X-Zone Radio TV.com On all social media sites, X-Zone Radio TV, And to find out about the broadcast schedule of the Exxon Broadcast Network, it's available at xzbn.net. And we're coming to you around the world tonight on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and a host of... of uh, audio and video platforms around the world, including iHeartRadio. My guest this hour, ExoNation, is a gentleman we've had the pleasure of having on the show before. Mark Kies is his name, and Mark is a retired Pennsylvania State Police Criminal Investigator, former volunteer fire department, EMT. He's currently working as a private detective, and he is the director of Pennsylvania Paranormal Association, or the P. in which Mark has worked with his team on over 200 paranormal resolution cases while taking a look at the psychological aspect of the hauntings and helping clients recover from the extreme hauntings. Mark has been a contributor to Paranormal 911 and Haunted Hospitals TV series on the Travel Channel in the United States and Travel and Entertainment Channel in Canada. He's the author of two books, Chasing Shadows, A Criminal Investigator's Look Into the Paranormal, and Upper Darby Poltergeist, with a third book on the way. For more information about Mark after the show, folks, not now, visit his website at theppa.net. Mark, welcome back to the X-Zone. Happy Halloween.
1: Hey, happy Halloween, Rob. It's uh, such a pleasure to be back with you.
0: Uh, You are one busy guy. Uh, First of all, thank you for your service as a criminal law enforcement officer. I... uh,
1: Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's actually, it's been an honor to serve, and I retired in 2018, and and it was just a fantastic career.
0: So tell me, I know uh, when I retired, I missed it. I missed the force. I missed the camaraderie. How about you? Do you miss it?
1: I do. Yeah, you're right. The camaraderie was huge. It is truly a big uh, brotherhood, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, a a man or a woman, it's just a huge family, and, uh, you know, just because of what you go through and deal with every day, you really become close.
0: You know, many people say, well, how can you guys do that? You see so much negativity. But don't, what they don't realize is that we also see a lot of wonders and a lot of wonderful things. And, and it's, I considered it a privilege to be able to serve the public.
1: Yeah, you're right. You know what? And, and I'm so grateful that you you say that. And, and most people don't see that. All they think about is police going out and either, you know, pulling people over for speeding and giving traffic citations yeah. or arresting them for whatever. And you know, police are involved in a lot of different stuff. You know, searching for missing people, helping out children, mm-hmm. uh, helping people in car accidents. Yeah. And uh, first and foremost, they're f- first responders there to help people. That's and right. uh, you know, all that other stuff comes after.
0: All right. So tell me what was it that brought you into the world of, a, of the paranormal from being a law enforcement officer
1: uh, you know it uh, it was uh, sort of a very long and uh, sordid story but uh, pure curiosity I would have to say that uh, when I started out I considered myself what, what uh, I, I refer to as a curi- or a uh, uh, an optimistic skeptic so I, I really wasn't sure whether to believe any of this stuff, whether psychic ability mm-hmm. was real, whether hauntings existed. But uh, I just had this overwhelming curiosity, and it grew to the point where I really needed to find out for myself. And I wanted to uh, basically do what a lot of other people didn't have the opportunity to do. Um, I, I was able to actually you know, go out and, and plant myself in mm-hmm. this world, and uh, I kind of wanted to be as objective as I could and sort of be uh you know a pilot for people who were interested and and just allow them to look at me what i'm doing and uh, i tried to share my experiences along the way good and bad if i ruled all this out so be it if i found out all this stuff was real so be that so um you know i just truly wanted to get in and and see for myself what this stuff was all about
0: what was the experience that really got you going
1: I think that would have to be uh, the the story that uh, you mentioned in one of my books, the Upper Darby Poltergeist. And uh, for those people listening, Upper Darby is a uh, town just outside of Philadelphia City. So people familiar with Philadelphia City in the United States, right outside of there. And this uh, home was reported to be so active by the clients that I actually didn't believe them when they first contacted us. It was just too much, too often, mm-hmm. and really extreme activity that you don't find on normal cases. So uh, they they actually became very upset with me, and I turned into a, uh, you know, inquisitive interview mode to almost interrogating them, not realizing it. <laughs> and they called me out on it a little bit later, and uh, they could tell I wasn't really buying everything they were saying. But Uh, You know, I thought this is a perfect case to go down and truly do some good debunking of some things, if that Mm -hmm. was the case, and hopefully we could help them out in that way, because they were business owners, they were very intelligent people, and seemed very sincere. I did not think they were really making anything up, but um, it was just way, way too much for me.
0: Could you tell us some of the uh, particulars about the case?
1: Yeah, so some of it was what we would typically find. They were hearing strange sounds, they were seeing shadows, Uh, occasionally they might see what they considered a shadow figure. Um, Some things like a a door would open by itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, The lights would flicker. But some of the other activity was a little more extreme. They claimed that they had a bedroom fan that occasionally would start to spin very fast and it didn't have electricity run to it. Uh, They had an uh, electronic keyboard, a musical keyboard, that uh, when you play it, the keys would actually light up and... Several times they noticed that was playing by itself. The odd part was it wasn't plugged in. So that was some of the the more minor stuff. Uh, A couple things that were sticking out to me is a little bit weird. Uh, They claimed that several times when they went to bed, they would come down in the morning and find these very heavy dining room chairs placed very neatly up on top of the dining room table with things stacked on top of that, like napkins or silverware Mm -hmm. Uh, several times they had peanut butter jars actually placed up on top of the chairs and that's very precise activity so if they told me like maybe the chairs were pulled out or knocked over you know i kind of would have bought into that a little bit but this was some very precise uh, movement of objects so i wasn't really sure about that but uh the the thing that stuck out the most for me uh they had a just a several month old baby and they claimed that they had gone into the bedroom one morning after the other kids had gone to school and went to check on the baby. Uh, the baby was not in the bassinet in the master bedroom where the baby usually is. So they did a search of the house, couldn't find the baby, did a second search, and actually found the baby tucked in underneath a comforter uh, in a bedroom, two bedrooms down from where the master bedroom was. So that was, you know, some, some of the stuff on the more extreme side that I was Kind of having a little hard time believing. But uh, one of the things that was weird that really stuck out was nearly daily they claimed they had quarters flying all over the house. If it wasn't something in the room where they actually saw it, they could hear quarters hitting the walls and furniture in other parts of the house. So there was a lot of really physical activity as compared to the normal uh, reports we get where Uh, People like might hear something or see something, and if they do have physical activity, it's it's every once in a while. But uh, for this family, they were reporting almost all physical activity with some reports of sightings every once in a while.
0: So when you did the investigation, uh, what did you find? Uh, Did you actually witness some of the paranormal activity going on?
1: Yeah, when we went down to um, Upper Darby, uh, one of the first things we wanted to do was— set up all our equipment and get everybody out of the house. Uh, they claimed that when they would leave quite often, they'd come back and find the house in total disarray. Refrigerator door open food oh, out wow. on the floor, cabinets open and, you know, some pots and pans on the floor um, bookcases overturned and just, you know, toys scattered throughout the house. So we wanted to clear the house out and see what would happen when we left. And, uh, you know, we had cameras on all the doors, recording equipment mm-hmm. set up everywhere. And, when we got back, uh, the house was immaculate. Nothing was touched. I was a little bummed out because I was hoping we would have caught you know caught something physical happening and right. and could work with that video. However, um, when you go about uh, you know two or three days into this when we started doing the review, mm-hmm. it really sounded like a circus in the house uh, on audio. We caught just a phenomenal amount of uh, noises which sound like somebody in heavy boots stomping up their staircase. Uh, we actually recorded. Uh, Audio and video of uh, you know quarters flying throughout the house some toys turning on But when we started the investigation, we were able to experience almost everything that they were claiming Uh, we watched doors open and shut by themselves Uh, we have a a shadow figure that we Mm -hmm. we saw live on our uh, DVR system Uh, toys were turning on by themselves Um, We had quarters falling out of thin air uh, we were lucky enough to capture that on our cameras twice. So, um, you know, they were the real deal. And it, it just, yeah. uh, you know, solidified any any prior doubts that I had that this stuff wasn't real.
0: Tell me about the quarters for some reason. Uh, were they new quarters? Were they old quarters?
1: And, you know, this is one of the most interesting things, and, and that's something that we always get asked. And the funny part was we could not come up with any real questions. Uh, connection to uh like quarters as to like were they you know similar dates or Mm -hmm. you know uh, of a similar time period they were just all random dates uh one thing that i could say is that on, on one visit there um, I saw a quarter go flying across the smaller room right in front of me, and I ran into the room. You know I, I thought for sure somebody was still hiding in the house, even though we cleared everybody out of there. right I thought I was going to find somebody in a crawl space or a cubby., yeah. and nobody was there. But uh, when I picked up the quarter, it was very warm. and uh, I, I don't know why, but I wasn't really expecting that, but uh, the quarter was was much warmer than than the air hmm. in the home. But uh, unfortunately, we couldn't put really any connection to, together of uh, the quarters. Um, now we do work with the psychic medium, her name is Virginia Centrillo, and she is just amazing of coming up with very intimate, particular details on who she thinks is there, why the activity is happening, historical information. And one of the things uh, that we had found out during the investigation was the family had uh, someone do Santeria targeting the husband, the dad of the home, and, um... One of the things that the Santeria was for was to financially corrupt him. And uh, uh, Virginia believed that the quarters were almost kind of an in-your-face reminder every day that, you know, he was going to have money problems. And whether it was a self-fulfilling prophecy or or if this actually worked, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure, but the family was having uh, extreme financial difficulty after this started.
0: How many quarters would fall? How many quarters were you able to collect during your investigation?
1: Um, A little over $3. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we we had a couple uh, quarters that we either had Mm -hmm. seen fly through a room or we could hear it hit something and we go and collect it later. And one of the things we were looking for when we first got there, because the family told us that was happening. We wanted to make sure that they didn't have any quarters laying on the floors, so we kind of did a sweep just to, to make sure the house was clear of quarters, but the family just had an enormous amount. They had a big jar full of quarters, and, uh, you know, we asked what their impression was because they started collecting them after a while, whether, you know, later on were the quarters coming out mm-hmm. of that particular jar appearing out of thin air. Uh, the quarters that we dealt with uh, really seem to be coming out of thin air. So I'm, I'm not sure, uh, you know, where they would have originated from. And uh, to me, even talking about it, it sounds absolutely crazy. And I'm kind of one of those guys still. If I'm not there to, to see it, I have a hard time believing it. But it, it was so strange. While uh, Virginia was in the basement where we have these quarters falling out of the air in that area, uh, Paul, another investigator, and myself were actually up in the master bedroom. And we had just walked down the hallway and went into the master bedroom closed the door and i left it open about three inches all right just, paul uh, like... mark
0: mark we're gonna have to do a bit of a cliffhanger here we have to take oh, our sure. first break actual nation mark kize is our special guest his website is www.theppa.net and mark and i will return as we continue our investigation into the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here in the Zone from our broadcast center and studios in niagara ontario canada don't go away. Don't wait. Visit sono, slash Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. com slash save. Welcome back, everyone. Mark Kais is our special guest this hour. For more information about Mark, visit his website at theppa.net. Mark, I have to ask you a question. As a as a former criminal investigator, did were any of these quarters actually preserved as evidence and sent to a lab for analysis to see if there was any forensic evidence on the quarters?
1: You know, no. In retrospect, that's something that we had thought about yeah. years later. But uh, the... Uh, the family had moved out of the area at one point, and and took other belongings with them. Right. But um, you know, as, as time went on, we there was a couple of things that uh, you know, looking back on it, that we discussed, and that was one of the things that that we would have really liked to have done.
0: Now, when the family moved, did the poltergeist activity cease, or did the polter uh, poltergeist activity follow the family to their new home?
1: Well, uh, this was something that they they didn't move because of the activity. They basically outgrew the house. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was mom, dad, and they had five kids and not enough bedrooms. So they ended up moving to a neighboring community. And after they left the house, uh, the activity did stop completely. Um, What we had ended up doing during the course of the investigation, and this was an investigation that continued on for almost two years, Uh, we worked with the family. And, uh, you know, we had some success when we, we first investigated. Uh, our medium uh, believed that she had picked up on two human spirits that were in the home. And uh, they were causing a significant part of the activity. But she was uh, easily able to release them at the end of the night. So uh, we knew that issue was done. So that left us with this dark entity uh, that, that we believe was conjured up through Santeria and purposely sent to uh, the, the dad of this home, and um, working with the family, uh, one of the things that, that we really found and it really highlighted how um, the living can really affect uh, the activity and what comes back at them also, and one of the things we work with with clients is trying to uh, keep their their you know uh, energy levels in the home up so it's a sort of more happy environment and a lot more positive atmosphere. Uh, because one of the things we found was um, when we first tried to um, detach this thing that was with this man, um, we weren't sure if it was going to work. Virginia was saying that this thing kept on disappearing, so we had to do the work that we normally do, but uh, we weren't sure it was effective because it wasn't there while we were doing it. So we had to rely on the family to let us know whether we were successful in that, and it turned out that we were not during the first attempt. But over the course of a few attempts, uh, Virginia had done some uh, binding ceremonies, what she calls them, and uh, had finally bound this thing to the property outside of the home, hoping at least to keep it outside. And we were having a little bit of issue with the dad because we got the activity down to a level that it was comfortable for him. But the rest of the family, absolutely not comfortable with the activity. It was causing some issues between them. And when the home was happy there was almost no activity at all when things got frictional, when the family seemed to have some depression in it, maybe with mom or dad, the activity would kickstart again and they would start seeing this, this shadow figure Mm. in the home. So uh, it really highlighted how, you know, a, a single person and their thoughts, emotions, behavior can impact whatever is in a home with them. And we were having a little bit of difficulty getting this guy to, to do some of our suggestions to finally detach this thing from him. So uh, we could only do what we could do, but uh, once that was bound to the property outside and they ended up moving to another home, um, it, you know they had no activity after that, so it was successful once they moved out of the house uh, for um, stopping the activity that they were experiencing.
0: A number of parapsychologists, including the late Dr. Hans Holzer, believed that poltergeist was caused by telekinetic powers. What's your opinion on that?
1: Yeah, and and I agree with that wholeheartedly. And there's kind of two different definitions of poltergeist activity. One would be exactly that, the telekinetic energy. Mm -hmm. And um, either, you know, it could come off of some adults, but it's more commonly known for like preteen or early teens when they're going through all these changes. The body is a biochemical uh, or a bioelectric mm-hmm. machine, it does emit energy, uh, thought itself is energy, and it's known to put off these bursts of energy that can affect all kinds of things, uh, stuff flying off the shelves, light bulbs popping, flickering of lights, a door could slam. Um, so I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, for what we're looking at here, um, I tend to go with the, uh, uh, the, the more generic definition of uh, poltergeist in German, meaning a noisy ghost. So uh, this, I believe, is where we have a spirit that has, uh, you know, gained enough knowledge or ability to be able to affect the physical environment. And I've come to suspect myself that not all ghosts can manipulate physical objects uh, just because of the uh, sheer amount of people reporting sightings of ghosts in their house and very little physical activity. It's more they hear something or see something, but not too much of the door slamming or Mm -hmm. uh, things moving across the table. So I think it's, uh, you know, a a few select spirits that can um, gain enough knowledge or ability to interact with the physical environment. And once um, you have a a ghost that can do that at will and have just a a large amount of activity going on, uh, that's kind of where I'm using the definition there for the the context of this particular case where we felt we had poltergeist activity that was, you know, just extremely um, physical uh, type of activity that was occurring, you know, at a, a large amount of, uh, of, of times.
0: Based on your experience, how much, um, how much uh, effect does a person's own religious beliefs have when it comes to the activity of a spirit compared to a person thinking that there is something happening where there's in fact nothing happening at all?
1: Yeah, you know, perception is huge when it comes to this. And, and mm-hmm. you know, part of what, what I do in my background is psychology. I have a psychology major. And right. uh, I, I look at the interaction between the living and the dead and the perceptions of activity. So uh, something that I noticed, it's, it's almost a type of post-traumatic uh, stress disorder that people get. I call it the ghost effect. So a lot of times somebody might have a very perceived Uh, experience that might not have been real but in their mind it was so profound that they believe it was real and Every little thing after that that's a little bit weird out of the ordinary that happens Mm -hmm. becomes the ghost did it And I found this with people who do have authentic activity It might not be huge but over time when you have a lot of different events happening uh, They tend to have this issue or they might have a, a very profound legitimate experience with the ghost And then the brain is immediately trained on focusing in on everything in the house. And now the mind is sort of watching for things to happen. So what we find is that when something weird does happen, but it has a normal cause to it, people are lumping all those little things into one big ball of haunted. And there's a lot of things that occur that I think people really are scaring themselves with that are very naturally occurring, but they're missing uh, what the cause is because they're so primed. Just to watch for ghostly activity.
0: Is there any any connection between the psychological profile of the people who have ghost or haunted experiences?
1: Um, you know, yes. I, I think one of the things that, that I've noticed was uh, when we go into a lot of these homes, we find that a lot of people are what I call paranormal fans or enthusiasts, mm. and they have collections of different, you know, paranormal shows right. or haunted shows or horror movies. And again, their, their mind is sort of primed mm-hmm. for stuff. And, you know, for those big uh, people who are into the law of attraction, I truly believe to some extent that the, uh, the thoughts that you have in your head and your mm-hmm. emotions could start pulling certain experiences towards you. So when people are, are so focused on this all the time, um, you know, even if they have a little bit of activity, but they constantly are concentrating on this, activity seems to ramp up. So, uh, again, I I think it's sort of one of those self-fulfilling prophecy sort of things. Law of attraction kicks in. People are so focused on all of this stuff that they literally are are causing, you know, the universe to say, hey, I I can deliver that and and pulling activity towards themselves.
0: So it's a matter of mind over matter.
1: A lot of times, Mm -hmm. I think so. You know, whether, again, it's real or perceived, because I think uh, sometimes People focus on this stuff so much mm-hmm. that they start having experiences in their house that are just, um, you know, normal stuff that uh, they're, they're perceiving as paranormal, but it, it's really not. And, you know, that's one of the, the big things that we try to do when we go on all these cases. And that was my intent in the Upper Darby case uh, because it was so, so extreme activity and, and so often that we wanted to separate anything normal from paranormal stuff if we found anything paranormal. Just because if we went in there and cleared out all the paranormal stuff, all that other stuff's still going to happen. So, you know, we want the people to understand why it's happening and and that they're safe and this is you know not a ghost doing this, mm-hmm. but this has got natural causes. But um, it takes a little work with them and uh, usually some time to get them back down to a level where they understand that. Um, you know, not everything going on around him is a ghost.
0: So what are some of the red flags when you and your team go in to do a uh, an analysis on site, interview the people, do your survey? What are some of the red flags that you, not only as a trained psychologist, former criminal investigator, but now paranormal investigator, what are some of those red flags that, that trigger you to saying, uh uh-uh, uh we've got something more than a poltergeist or, or a ghost to hear. There is nothing. These people are manifesting the the occurrences themselves. What are some of those red flags?
1: Well, one of the biggest things that I look for is uh, I, I compare the information we get on our online request form. We ask for some general information on there. Mm-hmm. And then when I conduct a phone interview, which may be you know, several weeks or even a couple months later, it depends on how many cases we have uh, scheduled ahead of that. Um, I want to see if there's any difference in the type of activity or experiences they're having. And once we get to the home, if we decide we're going to take a case and go to the home, uh, we do an initial walkthrough mm-hmm. with the family. And again, I'm watching to see if their, um, their witness statements at that point are matching what they told me during the interview and, and on paper. And, um, you know, just as an example of one that really stands out, Uh, This woman, when I talked to her on the phone at length, kept on going back and saying that she would be down in her basement where her laundry room was, come upstairs, turn the light off and shut the door. And, you know, several times throughout the day, she'd go by the door and the the light was on. And, you know, it was, I I think, about a month by the time we actually got to that case. So when we go and we do the walkthrough, uh, we went down to the basement and I was waiting for her to tell the story to us again and explain what was going on and she never mentioned that happening so when we got finished with the walkthrough and you know i said now where was that exactly you said the lights were being you know turned on all the time after you left Mm -hmm. the room and she looked at me and had no idea what i was talking about so that was kind of a big red flag right there that you know maybe everything she wasn't telling me was uh, correct whether she was exaggerating or just plain making stuff up but um that's one of the biggest things we do to, to check and see. But we also get some people that do have legitimate um, mental or emotional issues. And a lot of people ask us all the time, oh, what do you do for like crazy people when they call and, you know, do you, you just recommend them to see a psychologist or not take the case? Well, we've actually found that uh, people who do have emotional or mental issues mm-hmm. can draw in some of the most negative cases, really? the most negative entities out there. So we don't dismiss anything. We go out and and check it out. And one of my biggest fallbacks is our psychic medium, working with her for over 10 years. um, She has been just so incredibly accurate with historical facts and the type of activity going on, telling us exactly what the clients are experiencing, um, that we've grown to trust her. So quite often uh, she might say, hey, I'm being told this really isn't a case for us. You need to look at this or that, uh, follow up and get some more information so she's got a general idea, too. Just just by me saying, hey, are you available for a case on this particular date, she'll start tuning in. I don't have to tell her anything additional, and we never tell her anything anyway.
0: All right, Mark, but- stand by, friend. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. XO Nation, Mark Kies is our special guest of this hour. For more information on the Pennsylvania Paranormal Association, visit their website, www. The PPA.net. Mark and I will return on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Happy Halloween, everyone. So, Nation, Mark Kies is our special guest, and uh, Mark is the founder of, do you have your pencils and paper ready? Okay. The Pennsylvania Paranormal Association, and their website is theppa.net. Mark, tell us about uh, your group, the Pennsylvania Paranormal Association.
1: So our group is what we call a paranormal resolution group, which means we're a little bit beyond... Um, you know, ghost hunting or paranormal investigators. Uh, we wanted to create a team that could go out and uh, document activity just like a, an investigative group would do. But we wanted to find not only evidence of a haunting, but evidence of someone perpetrating a haunting. Who would the ghost actually be? And we set it up to run just like a criminal investigation. So, uh, something we were noticing as as we went along, and uh, I, I had the uh, privilege of being with uh, a local team that I worked with for two years, and a lot of the reports were very similar to things that I would hear at work. So people were reporting things like intruders or disturbances, missing items, assaults, things like that. So, um, you know, kind of with my, my background, I wanted to find out, well, okay, if they actually do have a haunting, who's actually doing the haunting? and why did they stay to begin with why are they there mm-hmm. and one, one of the big things we wanted to look at was the intent behind the activity is somebody being targeted or is you know a ghost in the house just randomly going through and people are witnessing it so um we, we tried to really work a case uh, just like we would work a criminal investigation and when we started i was fortunate enough to have uh uh, two other state troopers on board with us. Two, uh, two guys from our local FBI office. A municipal police officer, a university police officer. So we were very heavily um, populated with, with cops, which drove my wife nuts because she was also a member and said, "Okay, enough of the cops. Let's get some normal people in here."
0: Okay. So, in your in your opinion, what is a ghost?
1: Well, I think a ghost would be the, uh, you you know, once a body passes, uh, you have a a human being who's alive, they pass on, and it's that consciousness part of them. You know, some people would call it a soul. Um, I look at it as the consciousness that is, you know, still in existence without a body. Um, And, um, you know, some spiritual people will break up uh, uh, the definitions between a ghost and a spirit, where uh, a ghost is somebody who... Uh, would die and not, you know, ascend to wherever it was mm-hmm. they go, call it heaven or, you know, back to the creator or however you want to put that, uh, where a spirit would be somebody maybe who uh, has died and ascended but comes back to visit once in a while and certain people could pick pick up on that. Um, so, you know, a ghost to me would be someone who's stuck earthbound. A living person dies and their consciousness or soul gets stuck here on the planet usually in my opinion, due to like a, a traumatic or, uh, event or uh, emotional, psychological issue that, that's keeping them here. Something is keeping them from moving on.
0: A lot of ghost teams, ghost and, uh, ghost researchers are are saying that there's a lot more demonic activity than there was 10, 12 years ago. What's your take on that statement?
1: Well, I tell you what, I think there's just a lot more activity in general, but I, I would have to agree, especially with um, all the events that's happening in the world right now and, and over the past uh, you know geez five, ten years even, um, things have really become uh, close to like a, a boiling point here. and we are noticing a lot more reports from people of more uh, dark, sinister type of hauntings than you know, you know I saw this woman in the white dress that you know people typically refer to. Um, there does seem to be, A lot more negative stuff going on. It sort of reflects what's going on the planet. Um, I, again, have to go by um, that law of attraction type of thing. I think when so many people are focused on so many negative things and it's a very emotional time right now, highly charged negative emotional time, that you're going to have more, um, you know, emotional uh, or negative experiences being drawn towards you.
0: So, all right, so why do these, I, I, I have a bit of a, pro, a problem understanding why there are so many people who are, who are experiencing all these different types of activity. But with today's technology, there doesn't seem to be that much more evidence to collaborate what they're saying.
1: Yeah, you're right. And, you know, basically it comes down to uh, nobody has been able to tune in to the mm-hmm. certain frequency And we may not even have the technology to be able to do that. Um, You know, I believe that, um, you know, consciousness or a ghost is on um, a particular frequency, uh, likely multiple frequencies. Uh, We've worked cases where um, our mediums have told us that they're picking up multiple spirits in a house, but they don't know. Each other are there and they don't interact and you know my question always was well how's that possible yeah and they say look at it uh, like a radio station or a television station they die and they have their personal vibration Um, they have their energetic vibration and and when they die and stay earthbound they end up on a particular frequency and if they're on a different frequency from another ghost they can't interact so um,
0: all right but here here's the question if we are to say that ghosts are set on a frequency frequency and when the person dies their energy carries on how do we you know like how can we say that the energy let's say of Rob McConnell when he dies will remain as the energy of Rob McConnell and not dissipate into the universe and become energy of something else or form something else aren't aren't we taking a lot of giant leaps of faith here when we actually
1: Use you know, the we really analysis, are. and I mean, we we could go down the, the rabbit hole even deeper yeah. if you talk to shaman. Uh, they speak of soul fragmentation, mm-hmm. where fragments of a soul will go. So, is it possible if someone dies and they go into the universe, just like you said, and a fragment of them stays behind, and maybe that's what people are picking up as a ghostly encounter? But if we, um, but if we're
0: looking at about the the, the number of people, Mark, that have. That have passed on over the over the centuries, would there not be? If this was the fact, the frequency factor here, would there not be a lot more activity? Would we not be able to uh, zero in on getting the evidence we need in, instead of this elusive spirit that, you know, EVPs electromagnetic? But when it comes to hardcore physical evidence, there is none.
1: Yeah, and again, it's just trying to figure out how to measure this type of uh, evidence or Mm -hmm. frequency, and, um, you know, one thing that that, uh, a lot of people in the spiritual metaphysical world, uh, even people who study consciousness, have been talking about is this evolution of consciousness and our our planet moving to a higher level of consciousness. So, you know, we may have been inundated with a lot of uh, ghostly activity in the past, and because people might be opening up now we're more aware of that they're having more experiences so the amount may not Mm -hmm. have changed but um you know if you refer to uh, what's commonly said about people ascending you know, they die they ascend to a higher level Uh, that's kind of what it's thought of when someone dies and normally um goes to if you want to call it heaven or higher realm or um Mm -hmm. you know whatever that you ascend to a higher vibrational state so that you know, in one way of putting it, is a different frequency. So you know, it's it's tough when you're trying to measure something that you don't know what you're measuring. First of all, it's a type of energy. Is it a type of light energy? You know, what, what is it? And um, it's tough. It's really really tough. Um, the uh, EVPs seem to still be one of the biggest um, pieces of evidence that teams collect and you can't really directly measure that energy of a spirit so the best you can do right now is to try to measure environmental changes because of that and see if you can put enough of that data together with maybe something physical that happens or a sighting of an apparition and and build up as much um, you know surrounding mm-hmm. evidence that you can if you don't have that i've often wondered evidence. that
0: if we were in the era where there wasn't so much technical um, radio, for example, microwaves, you have the AM FM frequencies, you have the 5G now, you have Blu-ray, Bluetooth, and everything else, if EVPs would even exist.
1: Right, exactly. And, you know, is, is there some type of way that the frequencies are overlapping because of All this stuff that's being pushed through our atmosphere Mm -hmm. and you do catch a glimpse of it or, you know, do we have a lot of ambient uh, words being thrown around the the planet that are just still hanging out there that uh, might be caught up and recorded on some of these recorders, too. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, investigators do is try to uh, watch for random voices as compared to, you know, can you ask questions Mm -hmm. or get answers you know that would make sense to the question or the situation that people are in um but uh yeah it, you know the tricky part about this this whole uh uh paranormal thing is that you know the more that you you know think you know the more questions open up and sometimes the more difficult it gets in uh, my first book i actually titled chasing shadows and one of the reasons are because um You know, in in a lot of ways, you know, that's what I feel like I do. I go Mm -hmm. out and I'm chasing shadows just when you think you have something, yeah, it's changed, it's gone. Or, I mean, sometimes you're literally chasing shadows, trying to, you know, debunk that as a shadow. Or did you just see a a black figure there, a black mass? But, uh, you know, it's difficult. But one thing that I kind of noticed, though, that as a planet, we are becoming more intelligent or i would like to think we're becoming more intelligent and you know the more people that get into this and there's literally thousands of groups that are around the world and it's you know these groups are made up of all kinds of people people experience come from all kinds of walks of life you know people who live in a two-room cabin all the way up to people who live in mansions doctors nurses farmers everybody has experiences so, the more intelligent we get, you would think that if all of this stuff wasn't real and people were just misperceiving things, mm-hmm. that this should be going away. But we're but, finding just the opposite's happening. But don't the forget, there's, seem a, to be having there's, experiences.
0: there's a lot of. A, there's more television now and there's more awareness of it. And, and, and a lot of people are using the paranormal as, as a thrill seeking. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I know for a fact that a lot of these people. Are just doing it for their to try and get fifteen minutes of fame.
1: Yeah, you know that happens a lot. Um, most people, I think, are out there basically to answer the question that I was asking in the beginning: Is this stuff real? If right. it is, I want to experience it myself. But uh, you do find just an overwhelming amount of uh, you know people jumping on different social media and internet, um, um, like live streams and and pages where you can. You know, create your own shows now for just what you said, trying to get your your fifteen minutes of fame. But don't, and, but don't they know, I,
0: don't they realize that they're doing more harm than good?
1: Yeah, that's a, one one issue. Have and I, I don't fault anybody for going out just to answer questions for themselves or try to experience something because people want to know, people want to experience that. But um, for for people that are kind of putting out information that's either scary or maybe. Um, you know, not, not mm-hmm. quite accurate for people who are going through legitimate hauntings that could make it very scary for them, or they could start interpreting their activity different if right. you're targeted. And, uh, you know, anything from, um, you know, the Hollywood horror movies, uh, to a lot of the television shows, it programs a person's mind in a certain way. So, yeah. you know, what would relatively be a minor haunting, uh, just because of what people hear and see Um, can make it into something like way worse for them than it really needs to be. Uh, Everybody sort of jumps to the conclusion when they start experiencing a haunting. Well, I don't want to say everybody, but many people that, you know, their kids are in danger or were in danger, and quite often that's not the case. Sometimes it is, but um, many times it's not. And, you know, we always tell everybody, you know, don't jump to conclusions until we figure out the intent behind the type of activity you're experiencing. It may be completely benign and have nothing to do with you, but let's find out first before you you know, go to the, the worst-case scenario. All right,
0: Mark, stand by. We've got to take our final break. And explanation. if you'd like to find out more about our guest, this hour, our Mark kais visit his website, theppa.net. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Send me an email. Tell me if you're a skeptic. Or a believer one that's two Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com Welcome back everyone. Mark Kyes is our special guest. He's with the Pennsylvania Paranormal Association. Their website is www.theppa.net. Mark, uh, a lot of people are talking about a spirit box or a ghost box. What's your take on these uh, multiband frequency scanners?
1: You know, it's something we, we briefly tested out for a little while with our group, but uh, ended, not up, ended up not using so much. And I, I have a few friends that have uh, their own paranormal teams, mm-hmm. and uh, they claim they get some, some pretty decent results from asking questions and getting logical answers back that makes sense to uh, the, the position that they're in at the time. Um, from what I have seen, that seems to be more the case where you have one team going to one location multiple times mm-hmm. or a building – That, uh, you know, just as an example, maybe an old uh, hospital where many teams go in and they use it over and over. They seem to have a little bit more reported success uh, using that, asking questions, getting some answers back than uh, what we do. Typically, uh, because we're a resolution team, Mm -hmm. our goal is to identify what's going on and then, you know, hopefully stop the haunting by the end of the night. So, uh, you know, we're only in a place one time and. You know, it doesn't give a, a spirit on the other side really any time to figure out what the heck that box you have on the bed is and how they're supposed to, to use it or manipulate it. And a lot of people, I think, have this theory that once you die, you're, you have this unlimited knowledge, and that really just doesn't seem to be the case. So um, I think it would take, you know, a, a ghost on the other side some time to figure out exactly how to work with that box. But um, historically, it's, it's something that we did try out just for a short time and didn't find it effective for us, so we don't use it.
0: Why do people, investigative teams, keep on going to the same place over and over and over? For example, the Waverly. I, all I hear are people who, well, we, we've gone, and we've done investigations there, and and the stories go on about what they've done, what they think they've captured, what they think they've seen. If, in fact, spirits or ghosts have the ability to understand what is going on why would they tolerate
1: this well um you know first of all i think the people do go into these places because when you have some larger places uh it's a lot different than investigating a house it's historically something kind of pretty cool to check out just just to be in the building itself um they tend to be a little bit creepier than than going into a house um or maybe somewhere else so you know people kind of Uh, get this area that they really like a building that they really like and will return to um, if people are getting some experiences out of these places uh, that's somewhere that they would want to return to to try to document more or just experience more and when you look at it from the other side if if there were spirits there uh there could be a couple reasons and well a lot you know almost anything that uh you could think of as a living person of why you would want to interact or not interact with with people um if it's an old hospital Um, where people were used to having a lot of people around and getting visitors, you know, it might not be any different when you have these teams coming in to see, you know, strangers walking through the building. And, you know, if a a ghost truly can see and hear people and maybe even interact a little bit, you know, what fun would that be to kind of mess around with the living a little bit if you can? So, you know, some ghosts may get some enjoyment out of that. I, I would probably take that step if I got stuck here. You know, why not mess with the living a little bit? You got a little... It'll step up on them. They can't mm-hmm. see you. So, um, there, there's probably a lot of different reasons. And, um, you know, I've, I've been in places uh, where, like, say, Friday night, um, we've done an investigation and had a tremendous amount of activity. And we've set up uh, like a back to back investigation. So, we go back the next night and there is none, literally nothing happening. And, you know, the question is, why would it be so active on a Friday and Saturday? There's absolutely nothing. So, you know, I, I don't know how to answer that question. But, um, you know, if you look at a ghost as a person with the same thoughts, emotions, disposition as when they were alive, now they just don't have a body. So they're they're going to interact with people almost the same way as if they were alive and But uh, just but have to that, is, understand is, what's going through their head.
0: Isn't that a giant leap of faith when you say the same basic life as a human being except they can't be seen isn't that a real far stretch
1: well i i get that myself and again uh, a lot of people have different personal Mm -hmm. beliefs this is mine I, i actually came into this as a skeptic like i said and and over the course of about 15 years of working with just some tremendous psychic mediums who um seem to have the ability to uh without any prior knowledge get information on historical events at a location um the type of activity that's happening to the particular person in you know a a building or house um historical facts to you know to those people Mm -hmm. very intimate details of things going on in their lives so our mediums often will give information to our clients that are very personal to them but then she'll also talk about the haunting going on and and uh, Virginia, who I mentioned earlier, uh, not only will say, you know, I feel that there's a male spirit here, but, you know, his, his name was Dave Smith. And he used to be uh, an electrical engineer and he died of a heart attack. He used to like to wear these particular type of T-shirts. So she'll give very I- identifying information, too. So, you know, having worked with her and other mediums uh, for so long, they're, they're so accurate on things that we can back up. That I, I kind of trust what they're telling me about other stuff, and that's where I get a lot of the information um, that that I sort of believe right now. Where um, they talk about these spirits and interact with them as if they were still alive, um, and a lot of a lot of spirits almost get locked in this dreamlike state. Where if um, just as an example, you have a dream mm-hmm. that is crazy. Most people have some kind of crazy dream in their life that they can remember. Sure. And uh, like say you're. You're flying a car. We know cars don't fly, but maybe you have passengers you don't even recognize in the car. While you're going through that dream, you're not questioning how am I flying this car and who are these people. You're just going along with the dream, uh, you know, in the moment. And it it seems, you know, through our mediums, um, translating this to me, that some spirits get locked into this dreamlike state where they're not really questioning a lot of stuff. They're just kind of going with the flow. So it is, in a way... Um, a lot about faith, but um, my, my understanding and belief come from, you know, over 10 years of working with very, very credible psychic mediums well, who well, when have it comes... all told me the same stuff.
0: Okay, you've said the word belief a number of times, and I believe that belief is the strongest power in the universe. If you believe it, you know, yeah, it's there, no matter what people say to you. Will not will not sway your belief,
1: right? Oh, that's absolutely true, and and that goes back to perception, as we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the biggest things I think in this field of belief would be the orb phenomenon. And you know, many many people believe so strongly that they'll they'll argue to the death that a, an orb caught on film or you know a snapshot is spirit energy. That that's a ghost and. Mm-hmm. Other people will say, "Well, no, you know, we can reproduce this, you know, with a camera flash sure. and, and dust particulate in the air and stuff like that." But um, you're 100% correct. Their their belief is going to lock in the reality. So, um, belief is huge in all this, and and that's where skeptics come in too. There are some people that are skeptics and even non-believers, totally based on their belief. And even though they might admit something's weird, mm-hmm. they will absolutely not believe it's a ghost. How come
0: the scientific community hasn't, you know, jumped into the investigation of the paranormal with both feet?
1: Well, I I think that it was, you know, just so bizarre for so many years Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, had they done that, it might discredit them or maybe they wouldn't get uh, grants that they needed for research. Um, I know Princeton has their uh, their pair lab, Mm -hmm. uh, which does kind of take a look at uh, certain paranormal events. And it's becoming a little more popular, popular. Uh, Europe, uh, seems to be a lot further ahead of the United States where there are actually, uh, college courses you could take over there and and Mm -hmm. certifications that you could get in, in areas for paranormal research or, uh, psychic ability and stuff like that. They, they study it a lot more than here in the United States. But I think a lot of it comes down to that stigma. If you're studying that, it's a little weird. But now when you start, you know, comparing certain paranormal events with what, uh, you know, a theoretical physicists or unified physicists yeah. are coming out with, a, a lot of that is very complementary.
0: Well, it's complementary, but it hasn't been proven.
1: On either side. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly.
0: Even... And, and earlier you, you, you said that there are thousands of paranormal investigators out there, and I agree. I think in the L.A. area alone there's over 33,000 paranormal investigators who go out. And, and yet you have these paranormal investigators all over the world going out and still no evidence besides, you know, the, the same old, same old, the EVPs, uh, some rather questionable video footage, green, shaky night shots. How come, how come there hasn't been that definitive
1: answer? Yeah. Again, it just comes down to, uh, you know, trying to find the right frequency, you know, it's, uh, Uh, You know, if again, if I could look at the uh, the physicist, you know, there's a a belief in the God particle and, Mm -hmm. you know, they believe it's there, but you got to look for it until you you actually find a way to, you know, get to that right particular frequency. You're not going to find it.
0: What's your take on the new paranormal tourism industry?
1: You know, that's absolutely huge right now. And going even beyond that. People are selling their houses, reporting that it's haunted because yep. there's such an interest and people will buy the house because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm sort of torn on it. In one way, again, uh, people are trying to understand it. They're trying to experience stuff um, for people who tend to be a little bit more psychically open, maybe, and they don't really realize that uh, they go to places and they tend to feel or sense uh, stuff a little bit more than other people where they end up having anxiety problems afterwards or spirit attachment. Sometimes uh, we have reported happens at these places. So I think it's good and bad. I mean, it's it's normalizing all this. And, you know, the more normal it is, more people might start looking into it. You'll see maybe more scientists coming into it. So on one hand, it's good mm-hmm. uh, if people are legitimately experiencing stuff. They're not so afraid to call for help now like they would have before. But on the other hand, like I said, that we've had a lot of reports and a lot of people come to us saying, you know, hey, I was out on this tour, you know, in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, where there were so many deaths for the the Civil War in America. Mm -hmm. And um, I I came home. Now I have activity in my house and weird things are happening. So it's got a downside to it. But, um, you know, I can't fault people for wanting to experience stuff.
0: In your opinion, is it dangerous for, or for paranormal teams to try and psychoanalyze or use psychology on the people who are having these paranormal experiences if these groups are not trained in psychology? Can they do more harm than good?
1: Um, they could, yeah. I mean, what I would recommend would be, uh, we even have our limits on our team. We, we have psychologists, trained psychologists who work out of a psychologist's office Uh, that are resources for our team. So if we go in and we find that there's no haunting there, whatever, and people are having some psychological Mm -hmm. issues uh, or even emotional issues, we'll recommend they speak with um, some of the psychologists we work with who will be open to the kind of reports they they are having and not just, you know, instantly want to put them on medication to stop voices that they're having in their head. Uh, they'll, They'll work with them and And try to understand, you know, in working with us, are they going through a haunting? Are they having, you know, some psychological issues? Um, I I would say basically for investigators to go in and try to figure out if there's actually a haunting or can you rule everything out? Or is there a mixture of both where we found people seem to be having psychic experiences Mm -hmm. or um, haunting experiences? But having a huge time trying to cope with the anxiety that comes along with all that stuff because it's new to some people. So, again, we don't try to um, really psychoanalyze them or try to recommend anything for emotional changes or psychological changes. Um, We have counselors that we actually work with. Um, and again, we're, we're a resolution team that works with sure. professional psychic mediums. Mark, I
0: hate to do this, but we've just run out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining us. And Exonation. Nation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, Mark Kyes, visit their website, theppa.net. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada.